good morning. Now, we are going to jump right in because we got a lot to cover because you guys ask questions. Yeah, you ask some questions. Matter of fact, we are in the middle of a series that we are calling, somebody help me, Ever Wonder. And so we have a list of, we, we kind of picked out some, we weren't able to, uh, to answer all of your questions because there were uh, a lot more than we have time to do. And, and some of them are like a deep dive, you know. Um, and uh, I, I have asked Susan and Tony to help us as we answer some of the questions that you guys have wondered about. Now, I, I want to say this. Um, we, we specifically tried to grab those questions that you ask that are kind of um, more who we are at the crossing uh, and the way we do things, because that's really what the series has been about, why we worship like we do, baptism, communion, all of those kinds of things that we've answered. This is going to wrap up that series, and then next week, we're going to start a two-part series. We're going to spend two weeks talking about the miraculous hand of God, and I am so excited about that. Now, before we jump in, um, I, I got to lay a few ground rules, uh, all right? And, and one of those is really this, the phrase that I'm going to show you is really kind of part of the core values of who we are here at the crossing. And it is this, in essentials, what? Oh, everybody read it with me. Let's just read it all together. Ready? Go. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity. Uh, all right? Uh, and, and that really is, there's argument about who actually wrote that originally, whether it was Augustine or whoever. I don't, I don't know. There was, there's a lot of, you know, talk about where this phrase came from. But it really is at the core of, the core of who we are here in this particular part of the body, that in essentials, in heaven and hell issues, we need to walk together in unity. Are y'all hearing me? But I don't know if you realize it here at the crossing, and I love this about us, we are, and I don't mean any disrespect in the way I'm going to describe this, just hang with me, we are spiritual mutts. We are, at the crossing, a whole lot of different religious backgrounds focused on Jesus. And that's worth celebrating. That is, that we all come from different places. So, there are some things we're going to talk about today you're probably not going to agree with. That's okay. As long as it's not an essential. As long as it's not a heaven and hell thing, if it's non-essential, then, then anything, let me just tell you, anything that's not heaven and hell, how we get there is non-essential. Matter of fact, I'm convinced when we all get to heaven, Tony, we're going to look and go, boy, I was wrong about that. 
Yeah, and, and you can be wrong. That's okay. It is. I'm wrong a lot. I know. I, the older I get, the more I realize that, <laughs> that, that I am. So in non-essentials, we're going to give each other wiggle room. Does that make sense? We're going to give each other liberty. Uh, but in all things, I love the word charity. The word love, you could substitute there. But really, charity is when you prefer somebody else. You know, you sacrifice yourself for someone else. Okay? And so in everything we talk about, I think that is uh, important. All right. So we're going to talk about a couple of things that are just kind of frivolous, don't have a lot of real heavy meaning for us, but just to get the conversation, because somebody asked these, we're going to look at them. And the first one is this. What do the red and gray dots mean in the crossing symbol? Somebody asked that. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, so you're like, what do you mean? Well, that. What are the red and gray dots mean? So... Well, the red is actually, obviously, the blood of Christ, and that covers all things. And the gray is how gloomy and dull we were before we came to Christ. <laughs> Tony, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Tony, Tony, and go ahead. That's true, but that's um, not That really, really has nothing to do. Yeah, none of that's true. Yeah. <laughs> those <laughs> dots are circles, <laughs> and we're all about circles. Yes. But... Um, it is the red really does, you know, back when we were talking about uh, the history of the church and all of that, um, that's kind of our bridge. Yes. So, um, so we're a group of circles that are building a bridge for people in their journey with Jesus. The red is always also pointing up. That's true. Does that make sense? Are y'all, come on, are you awake? All right, all right. We're going to need your, we're going to need your help in that. So that's it. There's not like any big, huge, the colors, you know, they are, they are what they are. We, you know, I just think they look cool together. All right. So uh, that, that's part of it. One of the questions, this kind of interesting question that was given is, did Adam and Eve carry the DNA of all ethnic groups? Now, my opinion is yes, but unless we can find their bones, we don't know exactly. Are y'all hearing me? Now, I do believe the Bible teaches that, yeah, that the DNA was carried through. But I also think this, and I want you to just think about this. It's kind of interesting because if you look at this, and I've talked about it before in creation and all of that, that um, the geneticists have proven you cannot get white DNA from black DNA, and you cannot get black DNA from white DNA, but, now listen to me, this is cool, but white and black pigment DNA all originates from brown people DNA. <laughs> That's scientifically proven. Uh, uh, okay? So the, the, the real is, I believe, that proves Adam and Eve were probably brown. All right? So just, all right, just think about that. that that's kind of, all right. Are, are y'all still okay? Are you? <laughs> that wasn't too deep, right? You're all right? All right. So, 
The next one, I think, Susan, you're going you're gonna to talk about. What is the crossing's stance on Halloween? This was actually put in the... The crossing doesn't actually have a, an official stance, but um, <clears throat> we... <clears throat> I'm going to have a frog in my throat. We, uh, when Victor and I first started in ministry, we experienced quite a bit of um, stuff, and so we chose as a family, not to uh, partake or in, participate, participate or whatever. in yeah. um, Halloween. So we would do things with our kids on that night, um, go bowling, go to the movies, go see <laughs> Grandma and Grandpa, buy them candy, right? you know, uh, <clears throat> but would not necessarily participate. Now, however, my children are adults now, and they make their own decisions, and they all do things on Halloween. Yes. And so... Does that mean we failed? No. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know. Well, I don't think so. But, you know, is it wrong to uh, dress up and hand out candy? Is that a sin? No. What I do know is um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's right. So if you're dressing up, does that bring glory to the Lord in how you're dressed? You know, everything we do. Costume or not. Yes. Yeah. And so, so you know, it's, it's a personal thought of how, how do we glorify the Lord in, in our actions and, in, in, you know, the way we speak, the way we uh, participate with other people. And um, I can promise you that uh, kids are not thinking that um, about evil or they're not going out to celebrate the dead. Right. Kids are thinking about candy, and they want lots of it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's just their, uh, it's just their mindset because that's one time a year that you can get lots of candy. And so, basically, you know, my main thing is whatever we do, no matter if it's October 31st or April 1st or May 20th, we need to glorify the Lord in what we do. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. Um, I, I think it's a great answer to that question. Now, this one we're going to spend a little bit of time on, uh, all right? Um, and, and the question was given, uh, and, and remember, well, the question was given, why does the crossing allow women to preach? Um, and uh, uh, we're going to jump into that because it is a great question, and I'm excited to, uh, to kind of touch on it, but I do, I do want to say this. This is one of those things that we probably, as we, we were talking about this, we probably will actually spend some time, like maybe even a whole Sunday, on this question later on, because it's a great question, and it's a big question, um, and, and I think it's sad that it's a question that the enemy has used to be very divisive in the body of Christ, to separate rather than to draw together. And so I want to remind you, in essentials, what? Unity. All right? In non-essentials, liberty. But in everything, we're going to love each other. Are y'all with me? All right. So, I, I want to, uh, I, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about this, um, and, and I want to give you a little bit of my history. Um, one is, I, I grew up 
in a church tradition um, that would allow women to do everything in the church but preach or teach from the pulpit. Okay, that was where I grew up. Most of my early church years was in that tradition where, where you know, they were, they were doing everything. Women were doing everything, but they could not teach from or preach from the pulpit. And then I was introduced to Foursquare. And uh, in Foursquare, uh, men and women are celebrated in ministry alongside each other. Foursquare was actually started by a woman. Yeah. Amy Simple McPherson. Yeah. And and she, alongside her, had a group of men that helped with the ministry, helped leading the ministry and stuff. But it was alongside each other. So when I started looking at this, I was, I'll just be honest, I struggled with women in, you know, pastoral or preaching ministry. And so to be... To be fair, I wanted to dig it out. I wanted to dig it out for myself. I, I wanted to look at Scripture. I wanted to look at original language of Scripture and really see what the Scripture said uh, about this. And I learned a few things along the way. And, and I want to give you a couple of observations. Uh, again, this is bigger than what we can handle in just a few minutes. But one of those observations is, is this. That we, especially in the South and especially in America, in the Bible Belt, we have, now listen to me, we have a very unhealthy, elevated position called the pastor. <laughs> Boy, y'all got quiet. You didn't get a lot of amens on that one. I didn't get any amens on that one. <laughs> All right? We have an unhealthy elevation of pastor. Matter of fact, in most church traditions, the pastor is the leader of all. (laughs) Are y'all hearing me? You guys know what I'm talking about. The pastor position is that. But if you look at the New Testament church, the best we can understand what was happening in Acts and forward to all those churches that Paul wrote to and all of that, you'll find that the pastor was not the primary leader. Matter of fact, the Scripture shows and proves that that God gave five. Now, another thing I want to say about this is pastor is not a position in the Acts church. It's not a position. It's a gifting. Are y'all hearing me? It's a gifting. And it was one of five gifts that were given to lead the church. It was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Let me say that again. It was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Those five gifts led 
the New Testament church. And when all five gifts were in operation in the New Testament church, the church exploded. Are y'all, are y'all still with me? All right? So, so that, is, that is the model of the New Testament church. And here's what's interesting. You'll find through the New Testament that apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, that those, those gifts were used, and it wasn't all just men that had those gifts. They all led from their giftedness and in the church. And, and most theologians believe that, that what happened at the day of Pentecost, 120 in the upper room, the Holy Spirit fell. There were men and women in the upper room that were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all began to operate in their giftedness, and the church exploded. Absolutely exploded. Matter of fact, most theologians say that that event was probably the... Um, uh, the fulfillment of a prophecy that Joel gave, and I want to read it. It says, uh, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on, everybody say, all people. Your sons and daughters will what? Now, let me tell you, the word prophesy, we kind of got it jacked up a little bit. The word prophesy literally means to give the word of God to the people. That's what the function or the gifting of a prophet would do. Give the word of God to, most of the time, to the people of God. All right? He says here, your sons and your daughters are going to do that. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Um, and then it goes on. He says, even on your servants, both Men and what? Women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then Pentecost happened, and his spirit was poured out, and the church exploded. I, I want to say this, because there's, a, there's, a, there's this thought, and it's real pervasive uh, in social media, TikTok, that kind of thing, that, that Jesus was anti-women. Can I just clarify this? Jesus was the single most influential man ever in history to elevate the position of a woman. Make no doubt, and I could spend lots of time on that, I'm not going to. And, and Paul even, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he actually encourages women to pray and prophesy in the church. But then he says, then he says, <laughs> but do it because the culture's weird about it, right? The culture there didn't value women. And Paul's like, I know you're going to women, you're going to get a word from God. You need to share that word, but you need to do it with your head covered. <laughs> that's what he said. He said, because culturally, that's a problem. 
They don't, they, you got to, you know, the culture says you as women, because the women were doing it and not covering their heads. So Paul addressed, addressed that, but he said, go ahead and, and do that. And, and I want to say this, if you look at the history of the American church, if God had not used women to teach and to pastor people, the word pastor literally means shepherd. A shepherd cares for the flock. You look at American history in the church, had God not used women to care for the church, the church there's a few seasons in our, in our history that the church would not be where it's at today had it not been for women involved in ministry because they were caring for. They were the ones really, really praying. They were the ones that were serving meals. They were the ones that were visiting, and the list goes on and on and on. And let's face it, even in the churches I grew up in that elevated the platform to, again, what I think is like an unhealthy place, uh, because I don't know if you realize the scriptures that were written, um, that Tony and I talked about this, that there was no stage or pulpit. Y'all realize that in the Bible. There's, there's no place in the scripture where the pulpit is an elevated position. And so as I dug into this, I struggled with the idea of why is it that it's okay for women in, in the church traditions I grew up in, why is it okay for women to teach back there, teach our kids, teach in Sunday school or Bible studies, when they are forming the most critical formation of who God is and his love for them, it's okay for us to let women teach there, but they can't teach here. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> that's not shown in the scripture. It's just not. And, and, and matter of fact, I, I, want, I want to say this. There's two places. Actually, Paul in Galatians actually talks about, uh, matter of fact, let's look at it real quick. I'm, I'm not going to spend much more time. There is neither, this is Paul talking, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. Nor what? Male or female for you are all one in who? In Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're all heirs. You're all equal in God's sight. Men and women can inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this was important because there was parts of the culture back then that honestly didn't even believe that women had a soul. They believed women were just property like animals. And so he was speaking to that culture going, no, no, there, 
they're all men and women can be one in 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 Christ. Um, and I love it that Paul says this in Galatians, but also to the church in Galatians, uh, is one of those scriptures. There's two main scriptures that people use to say the Bible says women should not preach or teach. That's in 1 Corinthians and in Galatians. But I love that Paul actually is saying we're all the same. And so is Paul contradicting himself later by saying, but we're all the same, but women can't preach or, or teach. Again, um, I, I want to challenge that because I, I, I really, I dug this thing out. And, and it's interesting that if you look at it in context, in Galatians and in 1 Corinthians, if you look at it in context, you'll actually see that Paul was, and especially if you look at the verb tenses in the original language, in the Greek language, you'll find that, that Paul was actually addressing a specific problem. He was, he was speaking about a particular problem that was going on where there were women out of balance in the church that that he was talking about that. So I, I know it's a touchy subject that you can, but but the question was, why do we? And so the answer is that's that's a part of why we. Now we we don't have to, again, we don't have to agree to walk together on that subject, all right? It's okay. It really is. Because I, I love it that it actually, it's really cool because even in the Old Testament, Tony, I know you're going to talk a little bit about this, but even in the Old Testament, when women had zero value in the Old Testament, uh, in that culture, God would actually send his word through men and women. They were prophets and prophetess that he would give his word and they would sell, they would actually give the word of the Lord to God's people. And God used them in that way, even in the Old Testament. So. Yeah, and, and this was a thing, you know, you and I, it's funny because some of these questions that have, were brought up, you and I had conversations before we knew the question <laughs> list. Right. Uh, because there were questions that I had had because I felt like, I, I believed that they, women could teach, but I didn't, couldn't, wrap my head around a couple of verses. Right. And in the culture that I grew up in, the same, very similar culture that you did. And so it was like, okay, I am thankful for where I grew up. Right. Because I learned so much yeah. um, in, in Sunday school and in, in that grounding and the biblical knowledge that was given to me. But I've spent most of my adult life, and how many of you know it's a lot harder to unlearn something <laughs> than it is to learn something. Yeah. And so I learned something, and there are many things. This is not just one of them. There are several things throughout my life and my journey where I've swung one way or the other. <laughs> and sometimes I go too extreme one way, and sometimes I go too extreme the other way, and usually there's a happy medium somewhere. Right. But in that, there are several things that at 12 or 15, I believed wholeheartedly that I'm like, wow, I was way off on that. Anybody else? Uh, yeah. Anybody else realize yeah. at 15 you weren't the smartest person in the world? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, 
unlearning, though, is difficult. And one of the things that really, when you and I talked, and I, and I began to kind of dig this out, um, that really stuck out to me was, because if you know me very well, you know I'm usually going to go back to the beginning. <laughs> to figure out where we are, we got to go back to the beginning. Right. And if we go back to the garden, you know, obviously women were not a, oh, crap, I forgot something. Right. You know, right. they were always part of, and men and women were created in the image of God, mm-hmm. both of them. Right. And yep. a, every aspect of who he was was indwelled in those two individuals right. and their characteristics. And then sin. Yeah. And with sin came consequence. Yeah. And we could talk about that for days. Right. But as the story continues, and we see the Christ emerge mm-hmm. and reverse things and set things back in order mm-hmm. to where they were intended to be from the beginning. You see, the idea was always that Adam and Eve would rule with authority over the entire planet. Mm-hmm. And then when sin, they gave that up. Yeah. And with the resurrection of Christ brings the restoration. You're right. Right. And in that restoration comes bringing them back to where they intended to be. Hmm. And that, to me, when I dug that out, I was like, okay, now that makes sense. Right. Because as a sinner, hmm. I can't do anything. Hmm. It is by the gift of God that any of us can do anything. It's by the gift that's given you to teach and to pastor. Because in your flesh, yeah. it doesn't no work. Way. Right. It doesn't work. Right. So if the spirit of God indwells each of us, then that same spirit would restore each of us to what the original intent was. That's good. That's good. I I think the bottom line for this question is um, when there is spirit-led balance and everyone is utilizing the giftedness that God has given them, by and through the Holy Spirit, the church of Jesus Christ flourishes. Would y'all agree with that? It flourishes. It grows. It's healthy. It's good. But, but you see all through the New Testament, when things get out of balance, it struggles. So there's a balance in everything. And I, I love that. I love that. Like I said, Big question. I, I want to encourage you. I have, I have a little booklet that if, uh, if you really want to dig this out on your own, this is a deep dive in the theology of that. I've only got two uh, left, um, but I will order as many as I need to. You let me know if you want to really dig this question out even more. Does that make sense? Are y'all still loving me? All right. Good. Good. All right. So, Tony, how about this one? How about this question? Let's, uh, let's go to it. Why don't we do communion more often? It's expensive. No. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> there are. So there, there was, an, there was another one. We're gonna, I'm going to tag team on one that didn't make the screen that we're going to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, but. Actually, I, did, I didn't know this. This was, this was told to me. We've actually done it more times this year than we have historically. Yeah, it's true. And I have 
been a part of different fellowships as well, where I was a part of fellowships where it was every Sunday. Right. Every Sunday, um, there, was, there was bread and, and grape juice right. available. Right. Um, and I've been those that was every fifth Sunday, Christmas, and Easter. <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's a really a rhyme or a reason on, on why. It's a great, and what I love about this question and these conversations we've had about communion, you know, Jared spoke about that yeah. a couple weeks ago. But even in, in our meetings, in our staff meetings, it's brought up more conversation. That's what I love about questions. Yes. Because it makes you think. Yeah. Well, why do we do this? And I love the idea of always asking why. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of caused us to think about it. And this is what, well, why don't we do it more often? Why do we do it the way we do it? And we look at those things. And I think that it's something that we are learning as well. It's something that we are looking at, exploring, and learning more about, huh. we're, we don't have it all figured out. <laughs> In case anybody was ever curious, we don't, we don't know all the answers. That's right. That's right. And we're walking it out. Yeah. And we've, through those conversations, have decided we should do it more often. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I personally, I think I would love to see, um, especially like with this, well, why don't we do it more often? And that's a great question to turn back. Exactly. Why don't you? Exactly. Um, and I would love to see um, the return. I think Jared talked about it some, the, the agapes or the love feasts. Yes. And for you circle pastors, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah. I would love to see you start making this a part of your gatherings. It doesn't have to be here. That's right. It doesn't have to be. Victor doesn't have to say the magic words and we all get blessed. <laughs> okay. This is something that should be done frequently and the scripture just says, as often as you do it. Right. It doesn't give you a specific, right. well, it's got to be this time, but it's whenever you do it, yeah. do it in remembrance. And I would really challenge you guys to try to pull this out and start making it a part of your circles. Yes. Whenever you feel led, trust the Spirit. Yeah. Trust the Spirit and what He will do. But I think that we're also going to see some, some changes in that here. Yeah. Uh, in the big gathering yeah. as well. And. And I love that to, to really challenge the circles going, do, do this. And I love the idea of it was part of the meal. It was a feast together with brothers and sisters that, that was part of. So it fits so well in circles that you do communion. Yes. So do it. It was celebration. Yes. It was a time of celebration. Somewhere along the line, we made it a very remorseful thing, but really it was celebrating what Christ had done. Yeah. And, and that should be a part of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Um, and, and, and this one, uh, I, I think we made it on, on there. Oh, well, not that one. Oh, we didn't do, well, we didn't the, put it we, up we there, but Tony, there. what about, <laughs> this is kind of funny. One of them was, why don't we use wine? Yeah. And again, it's expensive. Um, um, and until recently, we were at Dry County. Yeah. So you had to travel <laughs> to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, and I really thought about this <laughs> one. And because I believe, and I think it's, it's the consensus of, of the crossing, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have a seat at the table. That's right. You have a seat at the table, and you have a right to that cup. Yep. No matter your age, yeah. and no matter where you are on that list. And there are a lot of people 
who call the crossing home or just in general um, in, that have come to the Lord who have struggled with addictions, yes, who have struggled with different things, and we don't want to be a stumbling block That's in right. any aspect of that. That's right. And so I feel like in, in that regard, it's just easier to err on the side of caution yes. and understand that it, it's all about the heart right. in that moment and not about the actual substance. That's good. That's good. It's a great answer. It's a great answer. What about what about one we didn't put up there? Uh, somebody asked about the Nephilim. Yeah, that, <laughs> I begged Vic to let me do a six-week series on that, and he said no. Um, there, there were some a couple questions that are really kind of deep dives, and uh, kind of yeah. going back to what Vic said at the beginning, trying to figure out. Okay, what, what is specific to the crossing and why we do what we do? Now, if you have, if that was you, if you ask questions, come talk to me. We, I can bend your ear for hours, and we can talk about that. There was a couple things in there that are just, and there's one of those things that, well, I don't know. Sure. But it's fun to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's one of those. It's a great conversation. It really is. It really is. All right, and then one I already gave you a sneak peek on that somebody had the nerve. Why don't we talk about gluttony at gonna, the crossing? We're, we're gonna and let whenever, Well, well, uh, one of those things I want to say is is when we first pulled that one up, we were in a meeting, and one of the ladies that was in that meeting said, "My answer would be just shut up and eat your donut." Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's awesome. Well, I'm going to let Tony answer that one because he called me fat. That's so. not what he did. <laughs> no. He said. What Tony said that I was. was fat. <laughs> no. <laughs> Any guys, you feel our pain. You, you get it? You understand? Tony you said, know. Susan, one, you can talk about this one. I did. I did say, that's what he Susan. Said. You can take this one because who could be mad at Susan? Yeah. That was my thought. Whatever, Tony. It's like, whatever I say, can be mad at me, but they won't be mad at Susan. <laughs> if Susan says, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, Tony, what? what do you think? So, what do you think, Tony? I think that Susan has <laughs> dug this out. <laughs> Actually, I, I asked, this, this one's probably my fault. Um, because I was sharing uh, with, with my group a while back about I've been in church for over 40 years, thousands of sermons, and I have never, honestly, I've never heard one about gluttony. Mm. I didn't ask the question, just to be clear. <laughs> but I, I haven't. And you and I had talked about that, yeah. and, I, and you, you told me that actually you have spoken right. about that. And I know that um, someone who teaches often, you can, say, you can think to yourself, I just did that like six <laughs> weeks ago, and turns out it was 2005. Exactly. You know, yeah. and so yeah. I think that that is kind of one of the things that I have never, I've really never heard it. Uh, I've, I've heard about every sin that you could possibly think of <laughs> spoken from the pulpit, but that was one that usually got skirted over. Right. And I just thought that right. was awful, awful convenient. Yeah. But I, but you have told me that that is something we have. We have, about. and and I think the the bottom line for um, the conversation of of gluttony is it's the the bottom line is our bodies are 
the temple of the Holy Spirit. It houses the very real presence of God. And so he says, take care of it. Take care of it. But I think the, the, the gluttony thing, we almost always tag it to food. And, and it is talking about food. But the spirit of gluttony is a spirit of uh, a lack of self-control. And the fruit of the spirit ends with self-control. Uh, all right, so that's, yeah, that's a big part of that. You know, I, I, one of the definitions I read about it was anything we consume in excess. Mm. And I don't know how your phones are set up, but it's always <laughs> this horrible reminder. Yeah. Every Sunday morning I get this notification. It says, you spent this much time per day on your phone. And wow. you're always like, oh, it went down this week. And you're like, yes. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, it was up 12%. You're like, dang it. Yeah. You know, uh, but that's every Sunday morning that goes off for me. I, I, I did not set it that way. It's just this neat little thing that I can repent of every time I come to church. <laughs> and, but anything we consume in excess, and that, that can be food, drink, but I also think it goes deeper into eyes, yeah. uh, what you listen to. Anything that you consume to the point of excess that, it be, that it's a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, typically it, it's it's geared that way, and I do think that most Americans probably struggle with sure. that because we live in an ex, we live in excess. Right. Uh, we live in abundance. Right. And so learning self control, which is one of the fruits of the spirit, <laughs> um, is, is a real is a real thing. It is. It is. And I think it is a balance, especially on the food side of things, because you have to eat. You have to eat, but it's a mindset of, I need more, I need more, and that, you know, sometimes right. that's all we think about, so yeah. it is a balance. Very good. All right, last one. Are y'all ready? Are you still with us? All right, last question that we're going to talk about is this. What do the large gatherings, Sundays, this gathering, accomplish that small groups or circles do not. So uh, to start the conversation, I just want to say this, and then y'all are going to talk about it a little bit, is uh, one reason we do both and we think both are important is because the best we understand, that was the model from the Acts Church. It was in the temple and House to house. It wasn't one or the other. It was both. So do you want to talk about well, that a little bit? I love Sundays because they are a celebration of what's going on in everyone's life. And um, but the, the downside of that is it's really easy to hide in a large group. You can be hurting and put that fake smile on, and nobody has to know. It's a little harder to hide when you're in a circle or a small group. And so um, I think that's part of the reason yeah. small groups are so important is so that it draws out that vulnerability and we could really get healing and um, anything else that we may need from the world. Just to show up at your house for a circle, you, you know, that would be more awkward. So to, uh, yeah, to to do that. what. What do you think, Tony? Well, yeah, I think that I love, what I love about Sundays is the gathering of the saints, mm. uh, the assembly. And I love the, our, our corporate worship. I love getting to ah. celebrate with my brothers and sisters. 
Yeah. I love that aspect. That's probably my favorite part of Sundays is, is getting to celebrate what God has done for all of us. Yeah. And getting to do that together. Um, you can pool resources. I think you had talked about that as yeah. well. Yeah, that, that a big thing that happens here in the large gathering definitely is the worship. You, you know, just to be able to engage and all of it. Have you guys ever tried to really engage and sing really loud in your living room with four other people? <laughs> I sing real, real quiet there, but here... <laughs> I can do it loud, and the only people I bother is whoever's leading worship right over there, you know. I, I, I mean, I can do it loud, and, and so I do, I do love that. But also, what we add as we join our resources, the Sunday morning is a joining of our worship, our praise. It's a joining of our, our uh, you know, just praying together, being together, but it's also a joining of our ability to reach a lost world. How, how many of you realize it would be really difficult for 15 people in a, or 30 people in a circle to pull off um, a service weekend that really impacts an entire community or a Main Street festival or a Christmas production. It's like when we join forces together, we can do so much more making an impact in the lost world. Does that make sense? So for that, it really does add value um, to the, the large group gathering. And, and I think there's also something specific to, to remember that Throughout the entirety of the scripture, there were times when the assembly needed to be addressed. Yes. Um, there was not just a, a group of five that needed to be addressed. Sometimes that is that when you read circle pastors and stuff like that. Sometimes there's issues that are specific to your group. But there are several times, especially throughout the First Testament, that there are people where the, the prophet yeah. or Moses or somebody addresses the assembly, the entire, assembly. The entire thing is that here's where we're going. Right. Here's what we're doing. Here's the mission. Here's what we're going to do. And I think for me, you know, I have been, I could probably spend an entire Sunday talking about just my spiritual journey, <laughs> when it, how it relates to the church and how it relates to the gathering. Because I grew up in a very traditional, and my dad was a pastor, and that's how I grew up. And then I went through phases. I went through seasons where I hated the church. Um, I never didn't believe in Christ, but I didn't really right. think this really worked. Right. Because um, I felt like it was, we, we love you, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that was, that was a big thing for me at, at a young age that I struggled with. And I, I've went through a season, I went through a season, on, and this, was, this is complicated, let me tell you. I went through a season at one point where I decided I was going to go to every church. <laughs> I wasn't going to the same one, because Jesus is always there in all of them. Right. And that's why I'm just going to go to all of them. And that was hard because you never got connected. Uh, um, and then prior to coming here, spent probably 10 years in what I would call a circle group um, that met every Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Yeah. And loved it. Yeah. Love it. Um, and I think, it, and also this as a reminder in this, 
I what I found in all of that. <laughs> I love it. In, in the in the beginning in Sunday school, in living rooms, in small groups, big groups. Yeah. I found Jesus. That's right. Every everywhere I went looking for him, he, there he was. <laughs> I found him around coffee tables and dinner tables. I found him with 50,000 men at a promise keepers rally. Yeah. I found him in all these different places. But I'm going to tell you that if you're missing one of these, you're missing. It's true. Because I truly believe you need it. Yeah. You need both. I need to be able to come here and celebrate. Yeah. And I need to be able to come and rejoice with you guys. And I need to be able to have a, a vision of where we're going. But I also need somebody that can look deep in. Yeah. And I, somewhere where I can't hide. And those small groups as well, it's really complicated. You know, there are, what, six, 700 people on a given Sunday that call the crossing home. Right. It's hard for all of you to use the gift that God has given you yep. on Sunday morning. Right. It's really hard. Not all of you. There are probably numerous teachers in this room. Yeah. We don't have time for all of you to teach <laughs> on Sunday morning. But in those smaller gatherings, it gives you that opportunity to exercise the gift that God has given you. That's good. That's good. Isn't that cool? I love that it's both. You know, it's both. Both are critically important. How are you? You good? You good? I know we just touched on some of these. Some of these are a lot bigger questions than we can really answer in a short amount of time. But I, I want to say, as Tony said earlier, uh, keep asking questions. We're actually going to leave the QR code posted. We're going to do a little different format and leave it posted around because here's what we've learned in this process. When there's several people start asking the same question, maybe we need to answer it. Does that make sense? It means people are thinking this. And I will say, one of the big questions I got asked that we're going to have to tackle later on is, uh, are we in the end times? Yes. Uh, yes. And according to the scripture, those started back in the New Testament. That's what he said. We're, we're just in the later. Than we've ever been. We're just later than we've ever been. That's right. We are, and uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to tackling that as well. But thank you for your questions. Keep asking questions. Yeah, don't All don't right? be afraid to ask. I think you learn so much by asking questions. Yeah. And that's also because a lot of times for me as well. When Vic says something, and I'll tell him afterwards, I was like, <laughs> I agreed with 90% of what you said. Yeah. There was this part. And usually if there's something that I question, it forces me to dig it out. Right. Right. It makes me, or somebody says something that challenges me or questions, and I'm like, I don't know. And it <laughs> makes me go deeper. Yeah. And so I love it. And don't be, and God is big enough to handle any question you got. That's right. We might not be, <laughs> but he is. Yes. Yes. So keep asking. Keep searching. Uh, he says if, if, if you just keep asking, he's going to answer. Amen. 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 Well, let's stand up together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a big God, that you answer our questions.
God, we just thank you that you got a big Holy Spirit that is the teacher supreme. And that if some of us walk away with more questions than answers this morning, we lean on you, Holy Spirit, to teach us. Teach us. Show us. Direct us to find those answers to the things that are important to us. And we just trust you. And we praise you. And we celebrate who you are. In Jesus' name, all God's people say what? Amen. Amen.